I shook my head, shook off his kindness, his concern, his familiarity. He waited. His familiarity? I squinted at him, much like a blind caggy, I'm sure. Then I leapt to my feet. Eyes wide open and staring, I surged toward the throne, the guards clutching at me just a moment too late and the king waving them back. I kept going until I could see his face, see every detail, the quirk of his eyebrow, the twist at the corner of his mouth, the mark on his cheek where he'd said the Aetolian guards had once shot him when he was running away, leaving the scar I remembered so well. I was almost on top of him before I stopped, but he did not recoil, only sat leaning forward so that I could get a good look at the Queen of Atolia's small job boy and sandal polisher. Ten signs your king is secretly a sandal polisher. Ten signs your sandal polisher is secretly the thief of Venus. <laughs> Ten signs your king is actually your friend. <laughs> Courtier is waiting to see if your queen has died. This is, this is how I don't do the introduction. I'm Caitlin, <laughs> and I'm Noelle, and this is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to help you recover from Return of the Thief. It's August 29th, twenty twenty one, and today we are discussing Chapter Twelve of Thick as Thieves. Uh, side note: Does your copy actually say what was its small errand? Because mine says something else. Really? Have we found a difference between the advanced reader's copy and the final copy? I guess. Read the last sentence again. Uh, mine says, so that I could get a good look at the Queen of Atolia's small job boy and sandal polisher. Yeah, mine says the Queen of Atolia's errand boy and <gasps> sandal polisher. Whoa! Ooh. Correction spot! <laughs> Revision! Caught in the act! I like errand boy better, because small job boy could be, you know, someone who's short, who does jobs. So I just, a job boy who's small. <laughs> Which is, you know, the same thing. It's just Jen. It's a good he description. He is a small job boy. His job is just to be king. <laughs> this is it, the chapter we've all been waiting for, where everything is revealed, the big twist, the, the, the name brand Eugenides twist. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite kind of ice cream. And we haven't seen him this whole book. And here he yeah. is. Yeah. Yes, the wait is over. Ugh, and the line learning that Atolia had a miscarriage. Like, I read that and almost threw the book the first time. I was like, oh, she might die. And that, like, that, that could have happened while we, the readers, were not looking. Yes. Which is a very Queen's Thief thing to, to, to have happened. A very Queen's Thief way to do it. We've been thinking about totally different things for the entire book. And now we come back and she's had a miscarriage. Just how Costas feels. Talaeus is also in this chapter. Yes. I liked how he was described. A soldier as big as the Aetolian but older with gray in his hair and a fancy badge on his breast. And there's a... An equivalence there between Costas and Talaeus, which we'll get a lot more of in the next yeah. book. Where it's like, Talaeus is like Costas, but older. 
There's a lot about identity here, because we get Costas' name for the first time, and we knew that it was Costas, but there's still something really special about this first time that Kamet says his name. And once he starts saying it, he says it a bunch. Costas, Costas, Costas. It's like the last barrier between them is gone. Costas, I said, using his name for the first time since he had told it to me on board the riverboat at the start of our journey. Costas, I'm sorry. And, and Costas, we knew his identity, but we had not heard his name. And although mm-hmm. if we were reading this book without the context of the other books, we would not have known his identity and his identity would not matter to us. But mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the context of, of reading the series in chronological order, we already knew who he was, and now we're getting his name acknowledged. And that contrasts with Jen, who we don't, nobody says his name in this chapter, but we uh, discover his identity or like something new about his identity because it was not, com- we might have suspected that he was the sandal polisher and boy of small jobs, but that gets confirmed. And Here. speaking of naming, Kamet causes a stir uh, trying to get the king's attention when he he's like trying to yell it out quick before Costas can lie and commit treason. Uh, great king, I said, turning away from him, shouting towards the, for- the far end of the room, struggling to advance, but held by the arms of the guard. All around me, people inhaled sharply. It was as if the whole room had gasped. I'd merely used the archaic form of great, hoping to flatter him. But then, obviously, later we find out he used the word annex. Mm -hmm. But I have a question about this. Without the addition of Return of the Thief, this paragraph makes perfect sense. Once you read Return of the Thief, you find out, like, however many months ago, before this point in the narrative in Return of the Thief, Jen had been made annex over all three countries already and like that word was already in use but was the word in use even though he technically was the thing yeah i might be wrong about that the timelines are confusing and i guess they could also be surprised that Kamet specifically is using it like maybe it also denotes like some sort of that a foreigner wouldn't have or something it's also in a really public formal context right Mm -hmm. this moment is about halfway through Return of the Thief? Is that true? I think so. I think it might be like at the end of the first third or something, but yeah, like whatever. A significant chunk of Return of the Thief is gone. And I was so glad that, you know, like you just said, we kind of, you know, the queen had this miscarriage when the reader wasn't with her, but then we are with her in Return of the Thief. Yeah. Although not her point of view. We never get her point of view again. And we never get Jen's point of view again. They are permanently removed from us. You know, we've we've talked this whole time about how, like, you know, how Costas and Kama's relationship is evolving, at what point they're this type of friend or better friends, whatever, but Costas is prepared to commit treason for Kamet when his entire rest of the character arc in uh, King of Atolia was... Oh, wait, no, he does commit treason in that too. Never mind. Um, but my point here is, apart from that one little deviation of an indulgent punch, he's a pretty lawful guy who wants to protect his king. What's a punch in the face between <laughs> friends? 
Yeah, Cameron and Costas are really rushing to jump in front of the bullet for each other. And Jen is also eager not to blame Costas. Let neither of us blame Costas. How amusing that both of us were absolving Costas. But it was nonsense. The king was speaking nonsense. And Costas is shouting that it's his fault, not Kamet's. And we get Kamet finally acknowledging that they're friends. Oh, my Costas, I thought. Oh, my friend. I turned to him, panic filling my heart because he was as solid and unflappable as ever, and he was an idiot. Never in all his stories of the king had he shown me this man sitting on the dais. This man, who had seized a throne and in so short a time made it indisputably his own. I'd counted on the fact that Costas was the favorite of a weak and petty man, that the king who had forgiven him once would forgive him again, and that any consequences of the king's anger would fall on me alone. But powerful men like this had no patience for those who disappointed them. I think it's so cool that um, Kamet, he realizes that his impression of the king was wrong, and then immediately mm-hmm. replaces it with another impression that is also wrong. <laughs> Yeah, this this chapter is really full of Camus' assumptions, and then those assumptions getting immediately disproved. Like he's he uh, when they're walking through, and they when they're walking through the silent town, and they learn it's something with the queen. Uh, Camus speculates the queen had gone on a rampage against her citizens. The queen had poisoned her second husband the way she had poisoned the first. Only two words spoken, but those two words said it wasn't either of those things. The words conveyed a world of grief, and the Aetolians loved their savage queen. Oh, another thing we get in this chapter is the king's health was also poor. Uh, yeah, that kept me up at night. Yeah, I was, I was very stressed about that going into Return of the Thief. Something we hadn't got in prior books was... Or, like, not as much. Okay, like, at the end of King of Aetolia, but, like, the idea of the court's opinion of Jen shifting we get at the end of King of Atolia that you know people are cheering because he's king but this is where we see um, in unison the court tipped their heads and turned their palms up grateful to receive the blessing of their gods but not because they would have abandoned Jenny's if she had died no they feared the worst because they cared for her and perhaps as they later learned because King Sals was also poor um, he was their sovereign as much as she I could not doubt it we're seeing like the 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 fallout or the results of King of Atolia. I'm interested in Layla here. Do we find out what happened to her? No. Oh, well, not in this chapter, but in the next chapter, like vaguely. What do you think about this all coming down to Camus thinking, why would Layla lie? And then narrates, we don't trust one another. We don't do each other favors. Yeah, and then he realizes that he went on this entire journey because he trusted her. He took her at her word. And because she cared enough about him to do this huge thing for him. Yeah, I'm sure a great risk to herself. Yeah, that goes way beyond a favor. Putting everyone's lives at risk. And, like, Kamet had no awareness of this about himself or about his relationships. But Jen did. Mm-hmm. He knew how this would play out because Kamet had talked to him about Layla Kamet compares himself to a Kagi twice here. I was going to bring that up too. He ate Kagi so much that it has worked its way into his imagination. And he's feeling like a small hunted animal, I guess. You know, he says, he I don't know, like he looked up like a Kagi checking for a hawk. And in in the shock of this moment, Kamet is still seeing Layla's action and Jen's action as a betrayal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
in this scenario, Jen is very godlike in the way that the gods mm. are in these stories because he he knows that what Kamet thinks he wants is not what he needs. Yeah. Something that I think is interesting is uh, when they get briefly put in the cells, Kamet narrates, At the bottom of the stairs, the Aetolian was led away without a backward look while I was taken through a room filled with all the horrors I had fled in Iana ear and out on the other side to a warren of stinking dimly lit hallways and a lightless cell. And so, uh, like, the, the Meat Empire and... Atolia, they aren't that different. Like, there's the same torture chamber in either place. There's the same cruelty in the overall society. The thing that yeah. makes it different for Kamet is that here there are people who love him. And he thinks he's just jumped out of the frying pan to land in another identical frying pan. <laughs> yeah. He's right where he thought he started. What exactly was Costa so mad about at at the other guards? Like, I get... Okay, he's he's mad that... Okay, Kamet says, I think the argument I had overheard had been over the role of the Aetolian, whether he would guard me from outside a cell or be guarded, guarded himself. Mm-hmm. Is that the whole thing, or like... Yeah, and the fact that they're being locked up at all. I feel like nobody really knows what's going on right now. Yeah. Like, nobody... Nobody but Jen really knows why Kamet is there, or whether he's whether he's a, a a guest in protective custody or an enemy. Nobody but Teleus really knows why they're in a cell. Jen didn't tell him to do that, <laughs> which I think is so funny. <laughs> I'm glad that was in Return of the Thief that that wasn't even in the plan. He <laughs> was like, "Well, I guess I should just put them." Over here? That sounds like my job. <laughs> Someone made uh, a comic of this moment. And um, the moment with um, when Teleus is told to keep Sunus and the Magus safe. And in both that scene and the scene, the comic is uh, like, Oh, Teleus, go keep Sunus safe. And Teleus is holding up a finger and goes, Prison! <laughs> Something that always really gets me is if you had told me, he said quietly, equal parts betrayal and rage in his voice, if you had told me in Sukir, I would have let you go. Costas is so angry that Kamet, like, could not see how much Costas cared about him. I feel like that is the root of why he feels betrayed here. He's like, I thought we had this relationship. Do we not have this relationship? Yeah, and he says, I thought we were Imikok and Enikar, but we were just Cenobit and his master, weren't we? And then when they're in the cells, you know, I said earlier that Kamet saying Costas's name feels like the last wall between them coming down, but so does in the cells. Kamet picks a fight with Costas. So not only is he now no longer afraid of Costas's anger, he's comfortable enough with Costas that he can yell at yeah, him. You are an idiot. Yeah, which for Kamet is a step. He narrates, realizing that the strange feeling rising in my chest was anger because he's so unused to feeling, letting himself feel angry. 
and then express it, I didn't back down. He was securely locked in, in the cell opposite, after all, and I'd already lost his goodwill. I had nothing left to lose. Yeah, and this whole this whole book, they've been so <sighs> physically close, sharing cabins on boats and sleeping in caves, but now that they're, you know, like, everything's out in the open between them, and they're they're having this argument they are physically separated by a barrier and this i don't this chapter has so so many instances of people being surprised by their own relationships because Kemet, like he's not only surprised that the king of atolia is this sandal polisher that he knew but also when he described their relationship before, he was like, yeah, I mean, I guess we were friends. I care about him, I guess, a little bit. I mean, it was fine. He was an equity. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, but they were close enough that um, Jen uh, wanted to do this. And I mean, of course, Atolia uh, also benefits from this, conveniently. This is very important, possibly essential, in the war effort. And so Jen is doing this as he does everything for a, a dual political and personal reason. Yeah. Um, when they're being brought to the audience room and I assume Kamet is thinking, you know, this is this is it. Like, this is the end of the line. What he thinks of as, you know, he sees his life flash before his eyes or whatever is... The kindness of other people. Yeah. I thought of the sandal-making slave in the city who had warned us of the Namreen, and the kind people on the desolate farm be beside the salt pans who'd given us more for a song than they had for a coin. I hoped the slaves from the tin mine were safely arrived at the sanctuary, and prayed that the other slaves of my master had been spared torture once I had fled like a guilty party. I thought of Layla and hoped she hadn't suffered. I thought of Marin and hoped she was happy. A lot of sandals in this book a lot of shoes yeah i feel like that we could we could call that a motif there are enough of them does the fact that he's used the word sandal polisher throughout the book referring to jen in atolia's court mean that they wear sandals they're in a non-desert climate because so far we've seen slippers and boots but i think this is the first book we've seen sandals what does this mean? Or was he just using sandal polisher because Kamet is from a desert different than boot cleaner? I don't know. Boot boy. Well, if we're thinking of this as fantasy Greece, it's Mediterranean. Oh, right. Um, That's right. I imagine they wear sandals for a lot of the year. But you're right. Yeah, like Jen is always wearing boots in, in earlier books. Yeah, and in this scene... Yeah, yeah, he's and, uh in the in the boat scene in Queen of Atolia, uh the queen is wearing slippers and then gets boots. Hmm. This is a book about walking at the end of the day. It is. Another example of Kamet not talking directly about his feelings is when he says the galley's high sides hid everything from view but the temple on the hillside above Atolia's palace. I sat watching it grow closer, wavering as I blinked again and again. And then a little bit further down the page, we arrived at the dock and I wiped my cheeks with my sleeves. So he's crying. Yeah. But he uh, he tells you that in the most indirect way possible. 
Oh, the mm-hmm. image was wavering. I was blinking a lot, and then he finally admits that <laughs> he had to wipe his, his face. Could have been a mirage. Probably was some AI. <laughs> Probably just, like, boat dust. <laughs> just allergic to being arrested. <laughs> oh, why does um, Talaeus say, think, you idiot, to Costas? I assume... I mean, I guess who knows what Talaeus is thinking, but maybe he was thinking, like, it should be obvious that more galleys would come to keep you safe, since Kamet's important. No, you know... This also always confused me. Like, why, why arrest them? And 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 Talaeus, he said very loudly, "I hereby arrest you both in the name of the king." So it feels like they're they're doing it almost for show. Like, look, everyone, we're arresting these guys. Yeah, I think that is what what's happening. That's just how Talaeus's mind works. And then he did have the um, like two war galleys, and then uh, like decoys. Decoy groups of soldiers. Kamet knows who Talaeus is, though. Yeah. It's interesting that that Kamet knew... Uh, he probably didn't know Talaeus. They probably didn't speak to each other. But he knew Talaeus by sight. He knew his name. And at the same mm-hmm. time, he knew Jen as this errand boy. But Talaeus was not aware of Jen as the errand boy. <laughs> <laughs> the Aetolian palace is that big of a place with, with spheres that are that separate... Yeah. Or, or Jen is just good at, at not being noticed by the people he doesn't want to be noticed by. Although the, the people in the kitchens know. And they're pissed. And they have thoughts about <laughs> it. That's chapter 12. Next time, what? Atolia! Atolia! Oh yeah, the river knows it's time. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I'm excited. Be blessed in your endeavors. Thank you for listening. This has been an amateur embroidery production. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available. What is it all?